As what's known as the third culture kid who grew up for the majority of my life outside of my parents' culture, I found that I've managed to comfortably adjust to new homes in Hong Kong, Jakarta, Toronto, and Montreal. But last year I made what has probably been my most challenging and rewarding move to date. I decided to move back to Karachi, Pakistan. As a Pakistani who grew up abroad for almost my entire life and made my way back to Karachi to reconnect with my roots, I found myself searching for familiar spaces. Spaces that I could in some way relate to that would also allow me to explore Karachi's unique creative culture, especially its underground music scene. As a newcomer to the scene myself, I noticed the majority of my peers hadn't tapped into the local scene either, but after some digging on homegrown music at Batari, which is a Pakistani music streaming service, Mosiki, an underground music blog, and even Reddit, I discovered a bunch of insanely talented local artists that share their music on platforms like SoundCloud, Bandcamp, and of course, Batari. But while it's nice to listen to music at home or in the car, I was literally sitting in a city that has birthed so much of this talent. And I wanted to find out where I could go to actually experience any of this live, in a physical space. An experience that I missed having access to abroad. Well, I quickly learned it's not that easy. With a combination of obstacles to overcome, including Pakistan's complex political history, security, contradictory cultural norms, limited spaces and lack of support, artists are hustling with very limited resources. Where bars and clubs are hotbeds for live music culture to flourish in the West, Pakistani musicians don't have the luxury of using these platforms to share their music with an audience. This all actually just goes back to the late 1970s, where due to political pressure from religious parties in the country, among many other things, the sale and consumption of alcohol was banned in Pakistan. And as a result, many of the institutions that provided a space for people to enjoy live music lightheartedly were eventually forced to close down as well. Before the ban, Karachi was known for its booming nightlife scene. But today, in a country that is shaped by its volatile history, many underground musicians are forced to fly under the radar to perform for a crowd. Now that's not to say that public spaces for music, art, and culture don't exist at all. They do, but they're extremely limited and poorly financially supported. Popular artists that perform in public spaces fit more into the box of commercial rather than simply mainstream music, where they largely rely on backing by the likes of Pepsi, Nescafe, Coke, and even Cornetto. Few spaces exist that welcome indie artists and support non-traditional music, at least to the local ear, like electronic music, hip hop, and so on. So in come private spaces, be it invite-only events where details are shared secretly on WhatsApp, jam sessions in private homes, or private parties posted as pop-ups that merge the coexisting worlds of music, fashion, and art, the individuals and collectives that provide these private spaces offer a much-needed platform for progressive live music culture in Karachi. And discussions about Karachi's nightlife today are oftentimes nostalgic for a past the current youth generation have never even experienced. So I sat down with some of the city's young talent that are pushing the boundaries of contemporary creative culture today. Now this is just the tip of the iceberg. The small underground music scene here has a surprisingly large amount of individuals and collectives that make an impact on creative culture in their own unique ways. I sat with Jasser, Daniel, Bilal, Faraz, and Hassan to discuss the private spaces behind closed doors where underground live music continues to thrive today. I'll let them introduce themselves. I'm Jasser Abro. Uh, I co-founded this company called Jambro. Uh, before that, I was a filmmaker, but uh, Jambro is basically a... Uh, it's a musical explorer app, global musical explorer app in which you can look for musicians globally. 
and we've been doing this for about two years. And uh, yeah, we, we do a lot of music events and uh, things related to this topic. Uh, I'm Daniel Panjwani, uh, also known as Alien Panda Jury. I also co-founded uh, the Sign Valley Festival in Kathmandu. Um, we're also doing collateral events now in Karachi and Maldives as well. And um, yeah, it's about bringing subcultures from all over South Asia together in one place. I am Bilal. I also go by the name Rudo. And I co-founded uh, this net label called Forever South. And with Forever South, we did a bunch of shows. Actually, for like three or four years, we consecutively did like around 14, 15 shows and a bunch of releases. So, you know. It's, I'm Faraz Siddiqui. I co-founded Heft Clothing. Uh, it's just a lifestyle brand that we started here in Karachi. Uh, we want to kind of marry the ideas of fashion, music, and art to kind of promote culture. And uh, that's who we are, and off to Hassan. Uh, I'm Hassan and part of Hef. Uh, and yeah, part of it is just subcultures and promoting art, music, fashion. And yeah, let's start this. So to start things off, what differentiates a private party from a public one? Essentially, it all boils down to three dreaded letters all event organizers have to battle with at one point or another, NOC. Obtaining an NOC, a non-objection certificate, which is essentially a headache of red tape that grants you permission to host a public event, is not that easy. There's a bunch of things that I suppose uh, if you do rent out one of the lower venues or one of the cheaper venues, you can't technically sell tickets. Yeah, some excise thing coming. Yeah, and then NOC. tax excise. The so, government know, side of it. The, yeah, the government the side of it is, is not at all. Uh, way too much red tape. Way too much red tape is not at all conducive. Actually, for, it's not really even red tape, like per se, but like the thing is, it's like. You, you, you don't do, want to deal with them. Yeah, that that's yeah. one thing aside. But I've seen that a lot of people end up doing things without actually, like, for, for, for saying, like, they won't get an NOC. And if they do get caught, they, they're in much more trouble because they because the government's like, oh, why didn't you ask us about it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Do you want to explain real quick what an NOC is? Um, I, no I don't know what objections I, claim certificate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That means you have to make sure from all your surroundings and your government bodies and your religious groups and everybody else that nobody has a problem with you doing this event at this time at this venue. And, and it's like uh, you have to get it if only if more than 50 people are congregating in one spot. That's yeah. what it is, right? I'm not sure about the details on that. Uh, but uh, I do know that like, this one, you have to have that. Uh, otherwise, you can't do a public event with sound. And then selling tickets. Yeah, and selling tickets is a whole different thing. That's a separate story. I used to, we used to do gigs 2005, 2006. So it used to cost about 30, 40K to pull off the concert, break even. But you had to say that you were not selling tickets. You had to say that you were invites only and, you know, keep it down low just so that, you know, you don't get any attention from uh, people who, you know, generally the local government situation and local um, everybody's out to get a slice type situations, which you have to be careful about. Uh, especially if you want to make any serious money mm -hmm. through events, everybody comes wanting for a slice, I suppose. It can be argued that NOCs and red tape can be used as a tool by figures of authority to curb the progression of contemporary subcultures, whether it's intentional or not. 
Weddings and wedding events are a massive part of Karachi's party scene. They're often large-scale, loud, often blasting traditional music or the same five to six Bollywood slash Hollywood movie soundtracks and can stretch on for days and until the early hours of the morning. A live underground music event of the same scale is a much more difficult feat to pull off. Artists that are producing great music have to face negative perceptions that are deeply rooted in a fear of the unknown. Bilal, co-founder of NetLabel Forever South, shared a particular example that illustrates a contrast between how the two kinds of events can be perceived. We have this friend's house, basically, that um, which has this massive garden, and he gives it out for to other friends for Mandy's and and other wedding festivities. So we were like, why don't we just use that space to have a gig? You know, might as well. And then we set up this thing called High Tea, which is FXS High Tea, and it was just um, a really intimate setting with a small stage in the garden. We invited about like 100, 120 people. And the whole thing was like, you buy a 200 piece ticket and you get uh, two cups of tea free. So we had this like Patan Chaiwala there who was just like serving people tea. People brought their brownies, papes, and palikakya. We invited a bunch of artists, and out of one of, one of the artists from, from the roster was basically this like, uh, you know, lo-fi noise, experimental sort of music, and he does a lot of his own visuals as well. So he was, um, he had the set going on, and in and, and a certain part of the set, there's this cartoon that shows up, mm-hmm. and the music itself is quite like, intense as well. The thing's going on and now, now you, what you have to understand is the, the garden that they're playing, he's already laughed. The garden that they're playing in, right? Uh, the, the boundary walls are really short so people could like see what's going on. Neighbors from, from, from across, um, they saw some imagery and they thought we were worshipping the devil. <laughs> and um, next thing you know, we've got like three, four cops um, barging through the door of the house, of the gate, and we're out in the open and we're like clocking the AKs. And literally the second they walk in and they see this like um, massive projection screen and like loud, weird music coming out, they they were stunned. They they they, they, they literally just like, they were stunned for a second. <laughs> for like 10 seconds, they didn't say anything. They just kept looking at what was happening. And I was just like literally like, in front of them, snapping my fingers, like, yo, we... To distract them? Yeah. Not really. I was trying to get the attention because I was like, yo, we have an NOC. We've mm-hmm. got all this figured out. We've right. gotten done from the local thana. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't be an issue. But they're just, like, stunned. Like, they're not even listening to <laughs> what I have to say. They're just like, what is this? What are you guys doing? <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're just having a little show, you know? And he's like, um, okay, whatever. And then I basically told him, like, uh, I've spoken to your... Uh, commanding officer or whatnot, and then they just like walked off. And while they were walking off, they were just like a little baffled, you know, they're a little frazzled. Mm. They're like, what, what, if, what did we just see? Like, what was yeah. that? <laughs> the art Consistent. so alien, music so alien yeah. that they could have not like mm. couldn't comprehend. Yeah, they couldn't comprehend. And then outside, another dealings are happening. We're like trying to pay them off, and, and apparently the parents are really concerned in the in the um, uh, the neighbors. The neighbors. Okay. And they're like, oh, what what are you kids up to? And we never ended up having a show there again. But okay. countless Mandy's, mm-hmm. countless um, nights happen there with music blasting throughout the night. By the way, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what Mandy's are, they're like a big 
if, like wedding event. Oh, it's it's huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge. I keep forgetting this is all everything revolves around weddings. The whole party scene in Karachi yeah. kind of yeah, revolves actually, around that, weddings. That's a very yeah. interesting point you bring up. That because I've noticed that that is the social outing for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. it's someone's getting married. Yeah, there's a socially yeah. acceptable social way to party yeah. and get messed yeah. up. Yeah. You can make up as much noise practice. as you like. Guns, yeah. mini Dude, guns. You can block the road. Yes, rocket launchers, anything. Block, like, it's okay if it's a wedding. Like, they just they just set the tent up on the street. They don't care if your house. I'm not kidding, dude. Like this setup, so this setup tent on defense space. So now you're getting out of yeah. a private space and going into a public space too. Mm. <laughs> like they just like set up their sham tents and they okay. have their wedding and they have their food. Don't give a shit. Karachi can be fun, lively, and exciting, but you also have to know how to live within the lines. While the security situation in the city has vastly improved over the past few years, we do have a fair share of security concerns that are similar to those of many megacities in developing countries, like muggings, petty crime, political turf wars, and rampant corruption that allows many, particularly figures of authority and their associates, to live above the law. Of course, especially since the 1970s, an ambiguous religious moral code also looms over the entire country, which dictates how many people interact in public spaces. While there is a desire for these private parties to be made public, private parties also protect organizers from very real concerns over security. Jasser, the co-founder of Jambro, and Faraz and Hassan from streetwear brand Hef share their personal experiences of how Karachi's security situation has played a role in the lighthearted enjoyment of events. If you're an event organizer and something happens at your event, you're directly held accountable mm. for that thing. Suppose that something is, you know, somebody gets hurt or somebody, you know, like something happens. So they catch the event organizer. So mm. and people don't want to be event organizers in that situation because in a city like Karachi, a lot of times you can't avoid things happening. And how about uh, half? You guys recently did a pop up. Do you want to talk about that and like why you decided to make that a, a private event? I mean, for us, it was like different reasons. We had, mm -hmm. I mean, we wanted it to be uh, just our friends. Uh, the invite was called First Dibs. Mm -hmm. So we also had that in mind that we didn't want it to be like, oh, everyone. We wanted the invite to be a little personalized. And like, we wanted to give people first dibs to our collection. Right. But beyond so, so that... So it was mostly our friends and our customers, basically, yeah. that were invited to this. But beyond that, for sure, there was that aspect that we, we didn't want it to be a public, public event because we didn't know what would happen. We were also scared, like, oh, what if we just open it to everyone and then we don't know who's going to show up, if people are going to find out, if the event's going to be shut down. Because mm -hmm. we were doing it at a private location, yeah. at a house. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a commercial location either. Yeah, I think security is always a concern when security. you're doing something like this, just because you don't exactly know who will show up if it's not an invite only. I used to hear that some mad raves, big parties used to happen here. I'm talking like four or five hundred people mm -hmm. right. yep. on ecstasy. <laughs> and yeah, we were there. I, I, no, I was too young to I, I, was, I was playing World of Warcraft at that right, point. But, I was, yeah, you know. <laughs> but did, did this, was this a thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell, tell, tell you what happens. It's like, it, it, it's, the history repeats itself. I've seen it happen a couple of times. Like, the thing is, the like, scene gets really good. Yeah. These parties start happening. Uh, you know, like, uh, parties start happening. People start having a lot of fun. Someone gets shot. Parties mm -hmm. get shut down. Mm -hmm. Five years pass. Parties start happening again. It's Repeat. true. That's what happens. People, because the crowd... The crowd goes from the university-aged party doers, and then they 
uh, grow up, half of them get married, half of them have kids, half of them continue the party, but they just grow up, right? Mm-hmm. And then the new crowd comes in who didn't know about that guy who got shot. <laughs> that that explained it so well, Jaws. It's true. You just you just br- broke it down with like inception moments, like duh, duh. So basically when, when things are good, one one bad isolated like, incident does does it does it do yeah yeah like 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 load, and when that isolated incident happens, it it like it stops everything because you more often than not you know the guy. Right, yeah. it happened a couple of times. You know the guy. Shit, I knew that guy. Friends, knew, younger brothers, sisters. Who were at that scene? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want. To, I like it's gruesome shit. Right. Uh, so that shakes you up, and you don't want to do anything for the next like few years until some until you hear, oh, something's happening. Yeah, I could go there. Okay. I, actually, the just works, recently man. in Lahore, they had this party. I forgot what the crew was called, and yeah. apparently it was an epic party. A lot of people came. Everyone was having a great time, great and, music, yeah. great sound, everything. And it's just like someone so got popped shot. off. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. And now the scenes died off a little bit. Yeah. But. So and, and again, it's the, the, the cycle is independent per city. So okay. Nakarachi is not in that phase. Nakarachi is in the leg. Yeah, people have forgotten that it get really bad. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they're letting the guard down. That like a few years ago, I think it was way worse than what it is now. Yeah. Uh, because what we're, what we're undergoing right now it's is, is definitely worse. a period where everyone has come yeah. back out. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone would agree, whether it's music, whether it's food, everyone's yeah, coming back out, and the business is thriving, and people are more. Like they want to at least test it out once more. They did something four years ago, and they're like, "Okay, let's see if we can try it again." Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's the environment. I definitely see that. Uh, yeah, it's a cool time to be here right now. Sometimes making your space work for you means thinking outside of the spaces you're confined by. Daniel, who co-founded South Asian music festival Sign Valley in 2016, looked across borders to push the scene forward. And Bilal is hopeful that digital spaces can help to support artists in getting financial backing. I'll be very honest. One of the main reasons why I started was started that was because of the frustration of our own scene. Um, that's one thing. Um, we already have a really good community of of DIY musicians that are doing their own thing here, and like super talented, you know, and super talented people who are like you know doing lots of stuff. And I was like, you know, there needs to be something where, and if it exists here, it exists probably in our own neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know, which is like you could say Sri Lanka, India. Nepal, Bangladesh, Maldives, you know, it's it's everywhere. So the idea was basically to tap into that. So we're 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 trying to look for we're trying to look for that experimental musician or that DIY artist. So we're specifically looking at subcultures of cultures. Okay. So so the idea was basically to to build a network and a global community of these subcultures so that it actually you know, it it raises its voice a little bit. Um so yeah, we this buddy of mine from Maldives and myself, we just started, you know, looking around for different artists. We found some people in India, some people in Nepal, and then we did the festival twice in in Nepal. And the one thing that's really helped, I guess, is is the fact that you can filter your audience through social media, right? So that really helps bring people together, and it helps you target specific audiences. Yeah. Um, so so you kind of. You create a clique and you build a niche around, and and that's basically the process that we've we've worked with. For the past two years, we were doing it in Nepal. This year, we're planning on taking it to Maldives. Um, so, you know, it's it's once again, it's just about bringing subcultures together from 
everywhere. It's from Sri Lanka, from India, from Pakistan. Uh, and we put these people together. We host a residency for a week so everyone can be inspired by each other and make music. So, so what we do is, you know, we share our ideas with each other for a week. We make original content for that one week, at the end of which, during the festival, then we kind of perform together, and then we also do our solo stuff. And so what that basically does is it builds a network, a global yeah. network. And, you know, slowly people are taking note of uh, this kind of music within these cultures. Uh, so I, I guess that's one way that it's kind of been, it's been a stepping stone in helping put yeah. that forward. Say the early 2000s, late 90s, we used to put shows together ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, it'd be much cheaper. Like we could rent out a space for 10,000 rupees, rent out sound for 8,000 rupees. Baby, you are Yeah, and like you're done with a gig in like 18,000, 20,000 rupees. Yeah. Um, fast forward another 10 years later, you're paying almost 15 times that amount to put a show together, uh, which is why it's a bit difficult to um, rent out auditoriums or rent out sound as such, uh, especially if you're doing a show yourself without any sponsorship or or any financial backing. Like, um, I remember doing this thing for Forever South where, so we, we were trying to charge very little money for tickets because one thing it would do was it would filter out the crowd because I feel like people who would be willing to pay a really high price for a ticket are also the people who would also kind of like cause trouble. I don't know if I'm making sense here. You know what I mean? Well, the, the, it's sort of that mentality that, yeah, I've paid for the ticket, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when we would charge a lower ticket, a lot of people would show up. So, but how would you recover all your costs? Because at the end of the day, this was like literally like the personal money that we had, like yeah. no sponsorship, nothing. And I remember we just like, oh, let's just make merchandise. So we got some t-shirts, got them printed out. We got badges, mugs as well, and stickers. <laughs> and Merch, and a lot of merch. A lot of merch. And then, like, you know, we just sold that. We made decent money off that. And we, we would, like, print out CDs. And literally, me and Hamid would be printing those things out, <laughs> cutting it with a scale, the steel one, and then making these CD copies. And by the end of it, we would cover the money. But then, again, it's a big, it's 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 hard to, like, kind of engage yeah. them to, like, kind of be like, yeah, we're willing to pay something yeah. for this. I honestly feel like streaming is the, the future. Like, yeah. how yeah. Twitch is with gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can so see that happening. Wait, we have Patari and we have all these we, we have our own streaming music services. you know I'm talking about like you know how Twitch is basically um, like so people watch other people play video games yeah. and they pay them to do it yeah yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. it's basically some people have started the, their channels where they're DJing on vinyl and like decks or whatever and and people actually play, tune in as uh, subscribers and as viewers like live and, DJ and donate them like 20-30 dollars every few minutes and Ooh. video gamers make like, the, like thousands of dollars Next yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah guys, like, oh my god. You know what? How do we not know so, about this? So Twitch, Twitch, is, Twitch is the future, man. They're, they're doing yeah. so yeah. well right now. They're doing amazing. So whether it's organizing high teas or connecting with neighboring subcultures to build a greater network, the restrictions that have limited the underground music scene have also led it to evolve in different and unique ways, in ways that it might not have if prohibition never took place and the cultural and political identity of the country did not evolve the way that it did. Artists and young creative culture visionaries in Karachi are in many ways understandably disheartened, but they're also hopeful, hungry, and pushing to build and develop a culture of collaboration and community. You need to build, you have to have a community building. Yeah. Right. That's the most sure. important thing. Yeah. So this is everything from having like um, storytelling sessions to having workshops and, you know, 
constantly calling your community in to be involved and mm. understand what mm. you do. That's where you start building a community and you start building a crowd. That, I think, is something that we have always lacked yeah. in our scene. I think engaging the community. Yeah, engaging the community. Keeping them engaged. So, you know, there's, there's many things from just even like exposure is one thing but you also have to develop education for these things yeah yeah which is very very important in my opinion and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like by you guys integrating music and and fashion you've given the same people different access through also doing private events yeah, so, so you I mean, kind of figured out a way what, to do that. what we did with our pop-up what we wanted to do and what we want to do with Hef is marry uh, music, fashion, and art all together because I think they all go hand in hand. And what we did with the pop-up, we had Third World Radio, which is a collective here in uh, Karachi that does electronic music, and Naveen Shaquille, who's a mural artist uh, from Brooklyn who was down here. Uh, at our pop-up, they were doing a live mural and live music, and I think... Uh, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. And it, it kind of brought in uh, people from, it, it opened up our audience because now people from like the the art sort of industry, the people from the music industry and people from the fashion industry all in one spot, mm -hmm. getting to see these different things happening. I think the biggest thing is we do fashion and we, had, we have no reason to go lab with people who do music. We don't have to do it. But I think the space right now, everywhere in the world is just that. Yeah. Everyone needs to go lab and be each other's hype man. Yeah. You, you hype me, I hype you. And that's, it's the same thing happening everywhere else. It's gonna happen here, but we just need to do a better job doing it. You know, it's like we're trying to do it and we keep finding people yeah. inside Pakistan, outside Pakistan. As long as we think that, okay, it fits with our vibe, we're like, yeah, let's do it. It doesn't matter. There's no money exchange. It's just like, okay. Support. Sometimes support. we're yeah. doing. Exactly. Support. Sometimes we're doing them, uh, uh, you know, good one. Sometimes they're doing us a good one. So it's, it's never equal. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we got. Something. It's all about pushing the culture forward, basically. Yeah. That's that's what it's about. When it comes down to it, despite the undeniable talent in the city, because of limited spaces and support, the scene is in many ways young and underdeveloped. Collaboration is vital in pushing culture forward universally, but even more so in a city like Karachi. With few opportunities to perform, many independent artists focus on making music to be enjoyed among their like-minded peers. The circumstances in Karachi that restrict a larger platform from being formed are disheartening, especially when attempts are made to build a community and reach new audiences. Still, some persevere through the challenging process of planning gigs in the city, but the lack of public spaces means audiences continue to be the same circles of people who personally know the artists. As a result, the environment forces artists to be self-driven and prevents what might happen naturally elsewhere, organic collaboration and community building. Disheartening as it may be, I'm hopeful. The efforts of the likes of Sign Valley, Forever South, Jambro, and even clothing brands like Hef offer hope for a brighter future. They've forged and molded spaces to nurture Karachi's live underground music scene, in spite of the odds that have been stacked up against it. Huge thank you to Jasser, Daniel, Bilal, Faraz, and Hassan for sitting down and speaking with me. This piece was produced and written by myself, Myra, and photographs for this piece were taken by Zoral and can be seen on makin.com. If you'd like to hear more stories like this one and more from the world of creative culture and beyond, check them out at makin.com. 
That's M-A-E-K-A-N.com. Or search for us on your favorite podcast app.